Thank you, Phil. It is a blessing to be back. I was gone just about a month. If you didn't miss me, well, Carolyn did, anyway. Um, it was uh, a, a real successful trip, and if you were downstairs, you heard a little bit about that. Uh, and uh, as always, when my plane lands, the first touchdown in the U.S., if I could get off the plane and kiss the tarmac, I would. Uh, in spite of all of our problems, we still have the best country in the world. And uh, if you don't believe that, you need to get out and go visit someplace uh, for some time. I didn't share, I, first service, I, I have to apologize up front, as, as uh, Phil said, that I'm a little loopy. I'm still going in and out of a haze. And uh, that's, that's, I've been up since three something this morning, wide awake. Uh, but anyway, uh, what I am wearing is called a farong. A farong is, uh, comes in different, different uh, d degrees of, of uh, being fancy to just every day. Uh, in the Philippines, on special occasions, these are worn. And, and Vic, you're more than welcome to take this for the wedding if you would like. Oh, you don't even have to do that. I'll let you. Just allow me to go home and change first. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's a farong, and it's used for dress occasions. And so I share it with you today. Uh, I love wearing these in the Philippines because it's a lot cooler than wearing that tie around your neck and shirt. And most places, they require you to wear a jacket if you're going to be wearing a tie and shirt. So... In that hot climate, it's, it's nice to wear something that's cool in material, and uh, as you'll notice, if you get close to it, you'll see that it's very airy, which is great. Well, so much for the fashion statement. Uh, let's get down to the word here today. Uh, as it says on the screen up in front of you, it says going forward. I think it's quite interesting that a lot of people try going forward with their, their view stuck in the rearview mirror. Uh, you wouldn't do that, hopefully, going down the road in the car, but unfortunately, people do that in life. And going forward is something that we need to be focused on, something ahead of us. And as uh, the Hebrew writer says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We focus on him because he is our goal, is to be like him. I've heard people say, well, my goal is heaven. No, your goal is to be like Christ. Our reward is heaven. And as Joshua, uh, I'm going to be talking about here in the, book of, uh, in the book of Joshua, he is preparing the people of Israel to go forward. Finally, after 40 years roaming around in the wilderness, they're going forward and they're going into the promised land. In different places, it talks about this was the land of rest. Well, you know, they went into that land. There wasn't any rest. But there was to be rest if they completed in obedience what God set for them to do. Unfortunately, disobedience was the main game. But Joshua had a great task ahead of him to take them into the promised land. And this is after Moses' death. Now, on the screen in front of you, you see a picture of a very gentle river. This is the Jordan River. 
And people say, well, that wasn't, cool. that wasn't such a great task to cross that river. Well, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been to a river that was flooded, I'm sure you've seen the Mississippi when it's flooding, the Missouri River when it's flooding. It can be quite turbulent, and it's not something you definitely want to put your foot into. Well, here we see a beautiful picture of, of the calmness of this river and the beauty of it, and I'm sure, uh, I'm not sure what point this is where it was taken, but it is a river that plays a big part in biblical history. The, uh, as I said, Moses' death left the responsibility with Joshua to take the children into the promised land. Now, this wasn't just something they came up with overnight. When we look back the 40 years that have gone by, they were supposed to go right on into the promised land when they got there. Moses sent spies, ten were bad and two were good, remember that song, uh, into the land to check it out. And they came back, but they didn't go directly to Moses. Moses didn't direct them to do that. They went to the other people and they spread these rumors. Some saw giants, big and tall. Some saw grapes and clusters fall. You know, there was, there was all kinds of mixed messages that came out of their visit to the promised land. And so the people were frightened, and they were afraid and disobeyed God. And in that, they were stuck for 40 years. But talk about going forward. I think it's interesting that when they were getting ready to cross the Red Sea, and the, the, the Egyptian army, was Pharaoh's army, was coming close, what were they talking about? All oh, the great times they had while they were slaves in Egypt, and the great foods that they had while they were there. They were looking back, and they were seeing things that weren't there to begin with. We, had, we have a, a tendency to grand, grandiose, is that a word? Anyway, uh, things that, uh, that weren't that great to begin with. And so they were looking back, not going forward. Again, the situation, we see it reversed. Joshua sent the spies in. And he had them to report back to him. Now, through the history, we see Joshua as Hoshea to begin with. And he was renamed by God to be Joshua. And he was the disciple of Moses. And we learn an awful lot from that discipleship as you read through the book of Joshua. The things that he learned from Moses of great leadership. But we also find out that there were things of Moses that he didn't pay attention to, but there were things that, that Moses did that were mistakes that he learned from. And this was one of them, and that was to send the spies in and have them report directly back to him and fill him in on what was lying ahead of them. So this preparation really started back with Abraham, didn't it? Moses, or Moses, Abraham was given the instruction that one day that the people that were raised up in that nation would go into a land that would be their own. How appropriate as we look at that battle going on today, still over territory. 
In Joshua chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be yours. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As God gave them instructions to cross over the Jordan, as I said earlier, it was in flood stage. Now, I don't know about you, but we spent most of our lives until we moved to Florissant on the east coast, on the eastern seaboard. So when you go to go into the ocean, it just kind of gradually drops off. You know, you can wade out, way out before it's actually over your head. So it's easy to go into the ocean. The river's not that way, is it? As you step off the bank, you can drop down quite a few feet immediately. And a lot of times that's muddy. It's not a pleasant experience. I grew up uh, for a number of my childhood years on uh, going swimming in what was called Coal River. And it was called Coal River for a purpose. Just up that river was a coal mine, and they're still bringing coal out of there. They said they could probably bring coal out of there for the next 100 years. Uh, anyway, the river we used to swim in, that was where we went to fish, that's where we swam, that's where we had a great time, but it was sometimes swollen, and, and uh, the uh, flooding was terrible, and I wouldn't go anywhere near it. I would not set my foot near that water, because I didn't know what was down below, and I wasn't going to find out. But with the children of Israel, they were going to have to, the priests were going to have to step off into the water. Now, um, the, uh, as they're getting ready, it was instructed that the priest go first. Now, they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They were all lined up. Now, I got to picturing them doing this. 
Now, if you had the people of today, I'm sure they would say, it's not my turn to be first. I'm not going to step into that. But I don't picture it that way as I look at their readiness. They've spent 40 years waiting for this moment. Many of them died in the wilderness. These are the new ones going, getting ready to go in and face what was ahead of them. But I picture them lining up side by side. This is just my picture of it. But side by side, and they all stepped in first together. But you know, that water was not going to disappear until that first foot went in into the water itself. So the preparation required a, a definite commitment, a definite commitment on their part. And uh, as I said in the first service, I'm not used to using a PowerPoint presentation when I preach. And uh, so I have definitely caught up with it this time. Uh, but a definite commitment is, is, is something that we all need to have. When we commit, it's something that we've sold ourselves to. I grew up selling shoes in my dad's shoe store. And I was committed in doing that. Why? Because I had faith in the product. I knew that what we were selling were good shoes. And that principle stays with me today because I will not walk into a store where I don't smell leather. Uh, but when you look at commitment, it requires your total being. Some people will commit, but that's as far as they go. It's lip service. With the children of Israel, God was requiring obedience on them. He was requiring them to, to step forward out of faith that one, they were going to be able to cross that river, but two, the armies and the battles that they were going to face to take that land, that God would give them the victory. Commitment is required. And uh, for us as Christians today, what kind of commitment have we made in Christ Jesus on our daily, in our daily lives, our commitment to him to do what he has commanded us to do? In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11, it says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Why? To prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. When we look at what Paul is saying there, every one of us is included in that, isn't it? God is preparing us for works of service. What kind of service are we performing? Are we a part of? Is it just service on Sunday or is it daily that we are walking with him and representing him in this world, shining that light in this darkness that we are involved in? In uh, the book of Acts, chapter 4, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note, now notice this, that these men had been with Jesus. 
When I think about that, I, I ask myself this question. When people see me, do they know that I've been with Jesus? And that's the answer that we should be giving on a daily basis, is the world knows we're with Christ. We're in Christ. Christ is in us. Are able to give that answer of the hope that we have, which Peter talks about in 1 Peter 3.15. A strong faith will make commitments and follow through. We are a people to be a people of integrity, a people where our word is our contract and our actions are God's. Uh, as I have encountered Christianity through the years, I have found that people don't look for the balance. That's usually the problem. We either swing that pendulum this way or we swing that way, but we don't find the balance. And I have always looked at, at being a Christian as a stop clock <laughs> because that's right in the middle. That's right where we're supposed to be in God's word, his balance in our lives. And uh, in uh, 1 Timothy 4.16, it says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save not only yourself, but your hearers as well. Life, doctrine. Carolyn's dad put it this way. If you're flying at 30,000 feet, which wing is more important? Now, Vic's going to get on a plane on Thursday. Which wing is more important, Vic? <laughs> There's no question about it, is it? When we're flying at 30,000 feet, we want both of those wings to remain where they're supposed to be. That's what life and doctrine is. They're equal. They're equal. That's what Paul is saying to us. We're not, uh, I've, I've met people that their doctrine was as straight as a gun barrel, but just as empty they were inside. Life and doctrine go hand in hand, and that's what we see in Christ. And that's what we see about commitment in Christ, is that we are to walk the talk, that we have committed our lives to Christ. Now we live in Christ. And uh, I think thought about that in relationship to our commitment that we're making for faith promise. What a wonderful thing it is for this congregation to be able to share in missions around the globe and have a part in that. I, was, uh, I heard a preacher say one time, this is our Jerusalem. And uh, he was in essence saying that this is more important here than it is out there. And as I considered what he said, I thought, you really don't have a knowledge of the book of Acts, do you? Because what happened to the church? It was, it was persecuted and spread out in Jerusalem. And praise God it was. And everywhere we see persecution throughout in the book of Acts, we see growth of the kingdom of God. So a definite commitment is required, but with that commitment comes a definite action. A definite action. The riverbed, as I said, would not become dry only only after the priest's feet hit the water. Uh, my quartet sing, uh, recorded a song on this last album that we, we made. It's, got, it's uh, titled Step Into the Water. Step Into the Water. And it's a constant reminder for me 
uh, is that we have a responsibility to always be living by faith. And what a joy that is when we turn it over to God, turn over everything to him. And that was something that God was requiring of Israel. As they went forward, they were to be living by faith. And there was a definite action in that. Faith is active, isn't it? There's nothing, nothing passive about it. There's nothing stored. It's, it's an action. And uh, he requires that of us. In 2 Corinthians 12, 10, it says, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we are weak, we are living by faith. Because we are putting God's power to work in our lives. One uh, passage that I always marveled at is with Gideon. When he was selecting the men to go to battle... He had way too many, so God was weaning them out. And as it got down to, was it 250 or 350? 250, I think it was. Anyway, the ones he chose, he had sent them down to get water, to drink water out of, out of the body of water. And those that sat and brought the water up to their mouths was the ones that he didn't choose. The ones that got down and put their face in the water and lapped it like a dog was the ones he chose. And people don't always pick up on that, but they're the last ones that I would want. I want the ones that sit there and bring the water up to their house because they're observant of what's going on around them. God is the source of our strength. He is our power, and he will take us through, as he promised, with the children of Israel as they entered into the promised land. That he required that definite action, but secondly, he required that they obey all the laws of, that Moses commanded in verse 7. Obedience to God is constant. It's not something we do when we feel like it. It's something that he requires of us on a daily basis. The law must be spoken and taught. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right. You know, uh, God didn't give the ten options. He gave the ten commands. God's word, it, Jesus said, if you love me, what? You will keep my commands. As we focus on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, we focus on him and his life it makes it so much easier to follow in his steps. But if we're focused on all these other things and we just add Christianity as a side note, we're always going to have difficulties because we're not looking ahead. We're not going forward. We're really struggling with all that's out there. The law must be kept continually in mind by thoughtful meditation. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 1, and I won't take time to read all of that, but he says that the delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. Carolyn's dad said this about reading God's word. There are two ways. One, you can water ski through it, and one, you can dive for pearls. 
And so often, I know I found myself when I was reading uh, all the genealogies through the the Old Testament, you know, it's like skip it, begat, skip it, skip it, begat, skip it. You know, you really get bogged down on that. But when you get into God's word and you read it, diving for pearls, there's so much that we can find. But if we're just reading it to be reading it, to, to finish an assignment on a daily basis, we'll never gain from the wisdom that God is giving us by it. The law must direct the people's lives. It wasn't an option for Israel, nor is it an option for the Christian. A breakdown in obedience, though, would cause some problems, some major problems. And uh, the, uh, we find that happening after they got into the promised land. One of the things that Joshua didn't learn from Moses was a solid prayer life. And there were a few times we find he got into trouble because he didn't consult God. Look about, look about the Gibeon people, uh, how that entered into the picture. But if he had consulted God before they went up against Ai, they would have known. There was sin in the camp, and that sin had to be dealt with. And what was the sin? Achan had taken from the spoils at Jericho. And they were so hyped up about this great victory that they had with Jericho, they thought, oh, AI is going to be a simple breeze. But there was sin in the camp, and it needed to be needed to be purged how true that is in our lives we try to do things for God but we got sin that needs needs to be dealt with not only individually but as as churches today we have sin in churches that needs to be dealt with and uh, I praise God for our congregation here I really do Uh, it's it's great to hear God's word preached every Sunday and it's, it's great to, to see the, uh, just the giving of this congregation and how s- spontaneous it is. Uh, back before I left, I was able to take money for the Bibles, uh, for Cebu Bible Seminary. And uh, uh, I've got a letter that I, I need to, to copy off of <laughs> Facebook and, uh, and bring it and post it here for the congregation of thanks. Uh, from the people there, from the school. But when we look at our daily lives, we need to be in tune with God, and we need to be focused on our one and only uh, directive, and that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, That breakdown caused a great defeat at Ai, and Joshua was down on his knees, tearing his clothes and Literally, God said, get up. You've got sin in the camp, deal with it. And they dealt with it. Then they went back against Ai, and they had a great victory. But God gave them the victory, and that's the lesson they had to learn. That's true for us. Uh, Unfortunately, people get all all, uh, excited about doing good, but fail to do what God's word says. And there was, there's where the problem comes in today. In Matthew 7, 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will say then plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. The obedience to God's word is what our lives are based on. And that's why how we are to live. And thirdly, thirdly, still a little behind, aren't I? I thought I was keeping up. I will never leave you or forsake you, in verse 5, and the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Oh, I love those two verses. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you wherever you go. What a promise to the children of Israel as they were entering into this new land. They knew there was going to be hardships. They knew there was going to be a lot of battles that they were going to have to fight in. But God promised his presence with them. And that presence, that promise was interwoven with the command, neither is complete without the other. Take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. God set the boundaries. God set the boundaries. How true that is for us. God sets our boundaries. Uh, people talk about, uh, you know, the, the junkyard dog. <laughs> as long as you stay out of his territory, you're fine. But you get into his territory, you're going to get bit. Same it is with Satan. You know, we stay out of his territory. In other words, we don't go into situations we can't handle without the Lord's strength and power. The areas that we're weak in, we stay away from. He's going to be there. He's going to take us through. But when we start doing things where we shouldn't be, we can expect problems. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Because the conquering power was God's. I reminded of David and Goliath. He wasn't concerned about Goliath's strength, his size, or anything else. He made it very clear, God will give me the victory. That's why in the book of Acts it says that David was a man after God's own heart. God will give me the victory. And he will give us the victory. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12, it says, Our God, oh, our God, will not judge them, for we have power to face this vast army attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. How true that is on a daily basis. Sometimes we have no clue as to what to do. But if we've got our eyes on God, he will never leave us or forsake us but he will be there for us and take us through. He requires of us a steadfastness that we see repeated time and time again throughout the New Testament. In Galatians, it says, Stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. As we stand fast, we depend upon his strength. 
we see what Joshua had and what we have is the same God. We have the same Savior. And what a joy it is that as we go forward, we have those promises. And I think it's, it's quite, uh, quite interesting. Yep, we're at the end. Uh, the escalator's going up. Uh, but close to the end. <laughs> the Great Commission we find in Matthew is such a summary of what we see in, with Joshua and the children of Israel. It says, in beginning with verse 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And the Greek says, as you go. It's a continual action. As you go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. We find there, first of all, a commitment. Israel had to be committed to take that first step. Commitment and action are required in teaching and immersion. That as we go, we teach, we baptize, we teach a continual thing that goes on with the body of Christ. Secondly, we see obedience. Obedience is required obeying all that I have commanded. Have you ever looked through the commands of Jesus in the, in the, in the New Testament? It's an interesting study, but it's, it's, it's wonderful as we see his life uh, and see how he lived those commands as he lived and exemplified them to us. And thirdly, his presence is promised, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As we see the obedience of children of Israel going forward, and we see the, his presence promised with them. We find those very same elements with us today, his church. And as we go forward, may our remembrance of what we see throughout the Old Testament in bringing forth that salvation for us, how it all ties together, how it's such a beautiful message for us and an example for us to follow as we go forward in Christ for his purpose and his kingdom. We're going to be standing and uh, this Phil will lead us and uh, but thanks again for allowing me to have this time together to share with you in God's word and Thanks again for your gracious support for Kids for Christ International and uh, the ministry as it reaches out around the globe. I'm going to ask the